0: The sky,
1: KCAA Loma Linda. Listen on ten fifty AM, one oh two point three FM, and one oh six point five FM. This is Gary Garver. In these trying times, many people are
2: depressed and lost because the future of our society is up in the air. People turn to drastic measures, including the abuse of drugs and alcohol. If you're going through these troubling times and turning to substance abuse because you're feeling there is no hope, we have a way for you to see the light. SAD, or Stop Abusing Drugs and Alcohol, is a nonprofit organization that will help you at no cost to you stop abusing drugs or alcohol founded by Tony Navarchi, SAD will refer you to the top detox doctors in your area if you're having financial hardships SAD will pay every and any cost for you including doctor visits counseling and medications save your life and contact Tony you can reach out to him by calling him personally at 310-999-1887 or visit the website saddetox.com That's S A D D E T O X dot com
1: Hey you. Yeah, you. Do you know where you are? Well you've done it now. You're listening to KCAA Loma Linda, your CNBC news station. So expect the unexpected.
3: This episode of the House of Mystery is brought to you by Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared.
0: Legacyfoodstorage.com New U.S. sanctions on Iran took effect today. Six months after President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal. The sanctions target Iran's shipping, financial, and energy sectors, all key to the country's already struggling economy. The bombs, which the FBI referred to as improvised explosive devices, were sent to the FBI's
3: bomb laboratory in Quantico, Virginia.
0: We're in Mexico again tonight as thousands of migrants try to find a faster way to the U.S. border. The White House says it's now getting help from the Mexicans. Big news out of Pittsburgh: A man accused in the shooting at the uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh is pleading not guilty, and he also wants
2: a
4: jury trial. You can see he's facing a 44 pounds So, in the final seconds before the Boeing
0: 737 Max crashed into the water, it was traveling at more than 500 kilometers an hour. All 189 people on board were killed.
2: You've now entered the house of mystery.
4: Crime, conspiracy, history, and science.
2: With your hosts, Al Warren, Mike Brown,
4: Julie Sav, Michael Butterfield,
2: Dr. Joseph Usinski,
1: and Michael Hawley.
4: Heard on KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles.
2: 102.3 FM Riverside.
4: And one hundred five oh AM Palm Springs.
3: Into the House of Mystery. Now we are at the interview part of the show, and today uh, we have a special guest that um, has uh, written a book that caught my fancy, and the book is called Murder and Mayhem, and it's an annotated bibliography of gay and queer males in America, or in in mystery, 1908 to 2018, and the author is Matt Lubbersmore. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. So let's first of all, uh, it's the first time you've been on the show, so uh, let's talk about who you are um, and how you got uh, into this uh, writing of a book like this. Um, So what's kind of your history here? Uh, Well, I've always been kind of um, a
5: huge fan of mysteries. Uh, You know, going back to Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and Boxcar Children, Um, and as I got older Uh, the books really didn't appeal to me much, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, as a gay man, um, I didn't relate to the characters as much as I, uh, you know, did as I was younger, um, so I started to try, you know, I started finding books that actually had gay detectives and, uh, gay characters and mysteries, and those books started to appeal to me a lot more. Uh, And so as I really delved into reading them and then, you know, of course, collecting them, um, I started to create a database of them. And I'm also a uh, co-moderator of a Facebook group uh, that's all about game mysteries and suspenses and horrors, thrillers. And we uh, were uh, interviewing... A uh, another bibliographer who is much more uh, uh, esteemed than I am, uh, uh, who passed away not too long ago, um, uh, uh, Drew Wayne Gunn, um, and he had mentioned that, you know, with today's technology, you know, it'd be so easy to create a database, you know, that's open to anyone, that's available to everyone, and so I thought, well, I already kind of started a database, so I might as well just start finishing the date You know, I might as well keep working on the database. So
3: that's how I got started on the bibliography. Wow. uh, So you must have an interest in in a lot of history and stuff. Um, So what made you, uh, that's not the right way, where you began, uh, in what year, of of going back and putting together these stories, so and and how did you determine where you were going to go back to?
5: Well, I started really doing it in twenty fourteen, uh, compiling the databases after the interview with uh, Drew Wayne God, and um, I so what I did was I I used his his uh, bibliography, I used um, another. Uh, a couple of bibliographies that I found about gay detectives. And I went back as far as I could go, and uh, 1909 was the earliest I could find a gay character in a mystery, and it was by um, Arthur Conan Doyle, who, of course, wrote Sherlock Holmes. Uh, The short story is not one of the Sherlock Holmes stories, although a... A London detective is mentioned, but is not named. Uh, But it's the short story. And, of course, the short story, you know, was published in 1909. Uh, It's called The Man with the Watches. And the great thing is that it's, uh, there's no copyright on it any longer because it's uh, so old. So I was actually able to include it in the the, uh, bibliography at the very end.
3: Hmm. What you, what are you hoping for um, when you when you take on a book like this? This is a lot of work and uh, big project. Um, what are you hoping people get out of it? So I hope. So hopefully, I sell one copy. That's all <laughs> I <really> hope. <laughs> awesome.
4: There's ambition for you. It's
5: completely justified if I sell one copy. I, I've actually sold quite a few copies. Uh, so I, I feel very justified in, uh, in writing it. Um, but, I mean, the the main thing for the book is, you know, so many uh, resources can use it. Um, it's not just, you know, I mean, it's a collection of titles and authors and uh, things. And, you know, if someone like me who's a collector, you know, I can use it to um, exp- to finish my collection, to really get it even more in Depth, or you know, I include a uh, um, a uh, uh, um, a rating in the book. You know, uh, one through three uh, for how involved a gay character is in the book. And if it's a three of a th- three out of three, there's the detective is is gay. You know, if it's a two, you know, the the main character is not gay, but their best friend is, who helps them solve the mystery, or uh, is very involved in the crime. And a one out of three just means that um, there was a gay person somewhere in the book, uh, either positively or negatively, uh, and so, so what some people can do if you're a collector like me, you can say, well I only want to collect books in which the detective is gay. And so you only collect the books that are three out of threes. Or you go, well, I, I, or you're like me, and you go, I need to collect everything, and so you have to buy every single book in, the, in, in that I list. Um, but other than collectors, you know, libraries can use it because, you know, if they want to fill in uh, their collections uh, or if they have uh, members of their uh, student body or uh, faculty that would like it, Uh, They're able to uh, be able to use it. Um, I know um, there's a couple bookstores that have bought the book um, to help them with their uh, listing of books. They're more um, upscale, rare, antiquarian bookstores, uh, and it helps them uh, uh, with their listings and things. But I mean, it's real, and even for I, um, I was talking to someone on Facebook, and they bought it. Because they love books and they like gay characters, and they thought, well, you know, I'll just be able to read through it and see if there's any books that I want to buy out of it. So it really is available to anyone uh, that wants to know more about um, kind of like, you know, gay people and detective stories. But the other cool thing about writing this book, and I didn't even think about it until I was. Kind of in the middle of it was that you know it's from 1909 to 2018, and you can kind of almost see the history of the acceptance of gay people um, in the world uh, through the detective story. Uh, unfortunately, you know the, the uh, Car- uh, Arthur Conan Doyle his short story was actually very positive. Um, the gay ma- the gay men in the short story are criminals. But he represents the love that they have for each other as a very positive and welcoming and open thing, which I was not expecting. I was kind of expecting like it was going to be like horrible, and he was going to trash them and really depict you know uh, homosexuals as deviants and perverts. Um, but you can kind of almost see, you know, like Agatha Christie's meant you know in the book, and she, you know, and her. The gay character she uses, you know, they're the quiet neighbor down the street, you know, um, or some other authors might use a gay character who lives upstairs through the, through the quiet studio
1: 18-
5: uh they own an antique store um, or they're a barber or you know there's some sort of gay cliche um, but slowly um, as you get into the 40s and the 50s and the 60s um, all of a sudden there's gay detectives and they're the main characters and they're not a stereotype and they're and they're positive, and you know that slowly moves into you know the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s, where you know gay characters are everywhere, and they are in every profession, and they aren't just relegated to just you know you know one one archetype uh, in the detective world. So I, I so I like it because you can also not only read it to see what books you might like. But you can also read it as a history story of how of the acceptance of gay people in America.
4: Matt, I think this is amazing. I think it is so difficult for any person, regardless of your sexuality, your preferences. It makes no difference. It's already hard enough in today's day and age to go out there and find something that you are absolutely affiliated to on the shelf because we live in this this virtual this uh, electronic world so to to walk in and find something that you really enjoy reading is, is difficult enough yeah. let let alone when you can't actually relate to the characters and i see that in, not only in in sexual preference or uh, gender identity but also in, ter- in disability for example if you if you can't relate to the people that are in the book in the same way then the book becomes meaningless. So, you know, a brilliant way of bringing everything together and, and adding that review to it and helping people to, to make their own informed decisions about what they might be more interested in in terms of reading. Have you, um, in terms of, you know, the, just the sheer volume of text out there to research and put into your book must have been incredible. How did you, how did you filter it down and decide what you wanted to put in your book?
5: You know, that was very, very difficult because there's so much. Um, And, you know, when I was using the the bibliography from uh, Drury Wayne Gunn, he only used books that had gay detectives. Um, And they had to be public, they had to be in print, um, they had to be available for purchase and things like that. Um, I. I had a really hard time um, because I didn't want to exclude anything. Um, So, the most obscure thing, you know, there's a couple books in here that I put, you know, um, at the end of each uh, blurb. I I put sometimes I'll add something about the book on my own, and I'll say. This book is no longer available. I can't find it anywhere. It's it was an ebook. It's no longer available. Um, and the thing about that is, you know, like authors can bring things out. They can take things away. You know, with the electronic world as it is, with ebooks, um, they're here one day and gone the next. Or they can be heavily edited easily. Um, and so, a lot of authors you know i i was talking to otto Penzler who runs mysterious books uh shop in new york uh who wrote who has written a ton of bibliographies as well about different things and he's not doing bibliographies anymore because he's like you know there's so many ebooks out there that aren't being put out in print so how do you account for them um so I kind of have my own system of doing it. I put them in there and I make sure I state that they are an ebook only, um, so that people, if they're looking for it, um, they may not be able to find it, you know, because it might not be available anymore, um, or, um, the blurb that I include in the book, the book might have changed drastically by the time they actually get the book. Uh, But I didn't want to exclude anything. Um, So I included as many ebooks as I could find. I included as many um, weird off the cuff things that I had a hard time categorizing. You know, it kind of was a mystery, but I can't, but I'm not 100% sure it was a mystery. But I don't want to exclude it because there might be someone out there that does want to find that book and hmm. um so yeah so it was very difficult in that um the other hard part is there is so many mystery novels out there i mean books are being published millions of books are being out you know being published you know all the time and mm. uh so it's really difficult to read them all um so i have a great support team uh Uh, There's a librarian down in uh, Australia, Graham Cheater, who was an incredible help to me. Uh, There's a guy in Finland named Pekka. Um, He found hundreds of books for me, just um, expedited the uh, time I could actually publish this by probably years um, because he just delved into Twitter and into publishers' uh, websites and just found tons of others. Now, the thing was, the minute I published it, um, of course, then I found hundreds more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Louise Penny um, is not in the book, and yet in every single one of her books, there's a gay, there's a gay couple. Um, so, I completely missed her. So, you know, I'm having to go back through and uh, re-edit and come up with, um, you know, a new edition that will probably come out in four or five years. Uh, so yeah I didn't want to exclude anything you know it's that's why I also did gay and queer males because I didn't want to leave out like transgender uh, mm. I didn't want to leave out bisexual men you know because we're already such a fragmented world I didn't want to exclude even more
4: no absolutely and how do you um so going forward, just thinking this through, now we're able to identify with with many different um, um, forms of gender identity. So you, you've more over a hundred different gender identities out there. So how how do you propose to do that going forward? Is that something you've considered? Is it does it overcomplicate something that doesn't need to be overcomplicated? <laughs>
5: Uh, what I figure is going forward is that, however the author describes the character, is how I'll describe the character in the book.
4: Yeah, because it is we're we're just developing all the time, aren't we? And we're becoming more understanding and accepting of how we feel as an individual and individualizing everything, which is which is brilliant and is how is that is absolutely how it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, to to bring that into your bibliography would be a real challenge
0: so it's good to hear
4: that you've got this kind of already thinking about what your second edition might look like yeah, so just you know, just can I ask you something a little bit personal Matt if you don't mind it's not too personal actually but, um, but it's just um, you, you referenced earlier you were talking about how um, you suddenly realised that you weren't relating to characters in books the same way as you used to as a child so what What sort of age did you really start to understand your own sexuality and, and think that that's not that's not what I, where I want to be I don't want to be brought up and 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 enveloped with this one stereotype of who I should be and actually that's not who I am
5: well I was a uh, very fortunate as a young man uh, my my um my parents were I can't say liberal I mean my, my you know but um they were more free thinking and more open. Um, so I, I came to realize that I was different from my peers about nine years old. Um, I came out to myself, you know, as as gay when I was twelve. Uh, I came out to friends when I was about, you know, I came out to friends and family about sixteen, um, and then uh, I had a brief homophobic uh, friend reaction when I was 17-ish, mm-hmm. um, which pushed me slightly back into the closet, and so I dated, uh, a, a, a woman, um, who ended up becoming a really good friend, um, but on my 18th, or on my 19th birthday, um, I fully embraced, uh, my being gay, and, uh, I have not looked back since. Um, but I was very fortunate, um, that, you know, when I came out to my parents, you know, they, you know, my, my mom said, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, I love you no matter what. Um, you know, I, when my dad found out, you know, which was pretty much the same night, but then, you know, he talked to me later about it, you know, he said the same thing,
0: yeah.
5: you know, so I was very fortunate as a young man, you know, not, I, and I know not a lot of people have the kind of, you know, experiences that I did.
4: It's, uh, it's horrifying, isn't it, the stories that you hear about young people who are so scared of losing something. If, uh, a friend of mine's son came out to me um, and um, and I said, well, why are you, why are you talking to me about this? And he <laughs> said, I'm really worried. He said that, that um, my parents may not respond in the way that I, I want them to. And I said, you know, I, I've known your parents a very long time and they already know. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and, it, and he, he smiled and he laughed and then he obviously went and had the conversation and I kind of pre warned them I said there's a conversation coming your way that you already know about yeah and um and, and I said he, he just needs he just needs your love right now and uh, and they're brilliant absolutely brilliant as i knew they would be but that innate fear as a teen when you're already going through so many hormonal changes and you've you've kind of battled with with all of those feelings and and come through it and made your kind of your decisions and then for somebody to reject you for that is just you know it's unthinkable and yet it happens so often
5: yes unfortunately it happens too often
4: yeah absolutely and um, you know I work with young people and I, and I see that a lot and it's just it's incredibly sad and my own, my own son actually identifies transgender and uh, I'm it was uh, I will share this with everybody on the radio I'm sure he won't mind it was very funny and he said um, we were in a van and would we'd been traveling for some time and uh, delivering furniture actually and he said he said oh, I've got something to say <laughs> And I said, okay, it's about 11 o'clock at night, it was, I was very tired. He said, I've got something to say. I said, okay. And he said, I might be gay. I said, all right, okay, is there anything else? <laughs> he said, oh, okay, is that okay? I said, it really doesn't make any difference to me. He said, oh, I need to say something else. <laughs> I said, okay, I might be trans. I said, oh, okay, that's fine. I said, is, is there anything else? He went, no, no, I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it was as simple as that, and um, and you know I, I just I can't imagine how that would have felt to him had I have had said or reacted in any other way. You know, he, he, total for me, he is who he is,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and um, and when he wants to be who she is, then he will make that, that decision and and that, that change. And I think it's fantastic that he has the opportunity to do that. Um, so I, you know, so I think it's it's a fantastic opportunity for when people are really struggling and they're trying to understand how to relate to people, to know where to go, to read something that is not educational particularly, but it will it helps them to identify with different people and um, how people feel about things and how people respond to situations it is a, got to be a good thing from an education point of view in terms of sexuality as well as the historical, um, you know, uh, uh, evolution of human rights. Does oh, that yeah. make sense?
5: Oh, yeah, I completely agree, Yes.
4: I think it's, um, so, so your, your book too, you're thinking of doing it a few years time when you've got obviously further texts, um, to put in that, so from 2018 to a, um, you know, 2023 kind of range, mm-hmm. where are you, where are you now in that?
5: Well, um, uh, unfortunately, um, last, uh, in March, I had acute pancreatitis, um, so I have been um, pretty much bedridden for the last two months. Um, so I have, so right now I have an incredibly amount of time on my hands because um, all of my jobs—I I work at a library, I work at a bookstore, I work at a comic book store—all um, three of them are closed by the state of Michigan. Um, and so I have all this time on my hand to work on on this. On the book and that's what I planned on and then all of a sudden I had I got uh, pancreatitis and I was bedroom so um, sitting for any amounts of time is incredibly painful for me right now mm. so unfortunately um, I have not gotten as far as I would like to have gotten at this point um, I keep getting emails and messages from uh, my uh, my uh, the people who have been helping me so at least I have something to fall back on uh, when I start to include them again. Um, and I, um, you know, like, anything I missed, so like the Louise Penny books, uh, there she's always With the
0: Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
5: So once I get uh, putting the uh, books from the database into the annotated bibliography, um, you know I will be that much further ahead. Um, but unfortunately, um, this year has not been uh, very fruitful as much as I would have liked to it have been.
3: That's sad. I, I was going to ask in this book here: Is there a story or two that? Um, um really had a, an effect on you that d- stays with you uh now to this day that you hadn't been aware of before
5: the the greatest in my opinion uh book written in the gay mystery genre is uh it's called Fade Out by uh Joseph Hansen and he's kind of seen as the I have my you know, there's always the fathers of this and that. Um, I have my own hierarchy for um, for the uh, gay mysteries genre. Um, I consider him to be the, the grandfather, the godfather, essentially, of gay mysteries. Without him, who knows how long it would have taken for gay mysteries to really take off. Um, but Fade Out is an incredibly beautiful book. Um, the main character he's, I mean, in today's world, he probably would not be very, the book, he would be viewed kind of as a toxic masculinity uh, character. Uh, you know, he didn't like effeminate gay men. You know, he, Um. you know, he was very rough and tumble, and he didn't speak much, and he smoked ten packs a day, and, you know, and this book was published in 1970. Uh, but, you know, he just lost his lover who was actually a very effeminate gay man who was a um, uh, interior designer. And the main character uh, is finally up after being bedridden for six months uh, because he just couldn't imagine life without his, his lover. And it's, there's, I, I think it's like the third or fourth chapter in where he starts kind of Thinking about how he met him, and and there's this wonder, and it's so beautiful about how they met and how you know they they made their lives together, and it was such a beautiful story, you know, in the middle of a detective story. Uh, the main character's name is Dave Brandstetter, and he works for an insurance company as a murder investigator, uh, as a death claims investigator um, you know but without Joseph Hansen you know it who knows how long it might have taken for authors like Michael Nava and Richard Stevenson or uh, John Morgan Wilson to really um, come out and shine um, or even be published by mainstream uh, publishers um, up to Joseph Hansen there was no mainstream publishers publishing you know, gay detectives. Uh, You had um, George Bax, who published um, the Feral Love books, but they were seen more as campy and pulp. Um, So when you got to Joseph Hansen, all of a sudden it was okay for mainstream publishers to publish gay authors, Publishing about gay main characters who aren't stereotypes and who don't uh, always die And you know in the at the end
3: Do, do, do you see that as a problem still today with with um, gay stories or, or, or you know books or anything like that being published today with mainstream publishers or is it more acceptable? Well, unfortunately in the 90s uh, publishers got
5: very afraid um, they saw um, the Defense of Marriage Act, um, the Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, you know, Ver- Vermont and Hawaii were trying to push, you know, gay marriage, and uh, the people of their states were very opposed. And so, all of a sudden, you see these mainstream public. You know, they're very conservative. You know, they're they're looking at their their pocketbooks, and they don't want anything to affect you know, their profit margins, you know, heaven forbid. Um, So all of a sudden in the 90s, they saw all of this backlash against gay culture and gay people. And they went, no, we can't publish gay authors anymore. And all of a sudden you had, you know, Richard Stevenson um, and um, all these other authors who really had a successful runs with their books you know 10 you know 15 mysteries with these mainstream publishers and they did fairly well who all of a sudden went yeah we're not renewing your contract there's no market for it you know even though there had been a market all this time and there still would have been if they would have kept publishing um and i think it's been very hard for gay authors uh, to publish with mainstream publishers, but I'm hopeful, but I know a lot of gay authors I talk to are not, um, you know, you have James Patterson who published, um, a, a gay, a gay detective, you had Anne Cleves, who, who just won, uh, oh, I wanted to say an Edgar, but I think it might have been a, an Agatha Christie award, um, for her book, which had a gay detective, Um, so you're starting to see straight authors publish, uh, detective stories with gay main characters, um, so I'm hopeful that eventually mainstream publishers will say, oh, well, these straight authors are having such a success, let's see how a, you know, maybe gay authors will do. But, you know, again, with, um... You know, there's so many small independent publishers. Um, there's self-publishing, which is so easy. You know, on you know Amazon. You know, you you write something, you can put it out on Amazon. You, you know, no no fuss, no no bus- no need for editors or anything like that. Um, but you have some great authors out there who are self-publishing their books because they don't have any access to the the publishing world. I mean, Marshall Thornton. Um, has won three uh, Lambda Awards for best gay mysteries. He self-publishes. Um, you know, so you're seeing that a lot more. Um, where, you know, are the mainstream publishers really that necessary for gay ki- for gay authors? But again, you know, you're missing the promotion. You're missing the support of all this. Um, so it can be, you know, there's pros and cons, you know, of getting, um, mainstream publishers to publish your books, you know, are they really necessary or not and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that eventually mainstream publishers will start to publish gay authors again, but at this point, they're just not.
3: Hmm. And it does make a difference, you know, because they uh, get printed and put in bookstores and they get on a front shelf when someone walks <laughs> in and they see it. That's kind of the, the, the advantage of it. Uh, yes. You know, uh, is this sort of why you you are doing, um, re, what, Requeered, um, re-queered tales, tales, original publications? So are you, you're kind of starting publishing yourself as well?
5: Well, we don't do original publications. Um... We only do reprints. Uh, re- we only republish uh, books. Um, what we do is at Requeer Tales is we find uh, authors and titles that we think have histo- historical merit. Uh, and we think these books should never have gone out of print in the first place and they should be brought back out. And it's the same thing with my book about, you know, you can trace the history of, you know, gay characters, you know, and uh, gay people in American life through these, through literature. And, you know, and when you read, you know, like a book by Grant Michaels, who, you know, he was a stereotypical hairstylist who was a detective, who, you know, went off and did all these, and did all this detective work and solve crimes and, and, you know, he but he also worked very cl- but he was also Butch, you know, he, he, you know, I don't recall any fist fights he would get into, but he stood up to killers, you know, he stood up to people, and said, you know, this is who I am, and, you know, he was publishing, you know, in the 80s and uh, early 90s, and, you know, that's, you know, for a character like that, to, you know, to be around, is just amazing, um, you know, and but the, also, the other thing, uh, Neil Plaxy, uh and I were talking about this, and I think he actually wrote it in one of the uh, introductions to one of his books, was that this was kind of the first uh, character to work with the police department. Um, you know, he was a stereotypical gay man who actually got along and worked with the police department in a time where police departments did not want to work. With gay people, you know, especially you know, in that kind of a close capacity, you know, or even to us, or even to uh, assume to let them do their job. Um, but no, so like, um, our the first book that we published was a horror novel called Steam, uh, by J. B. Laws, and you know he won, you know he won a, he was an unpublished author. Um, and Allison Press uh, and um, a bookstore in in San Francisco—I can't remember which one—had a competition um, for the best new author. Uh, and so, what they would do is, it, you know, the the employees of this bookstore would read all the manuscripts, and whoever had the best manuscript would then be published by Allison Press. And Steam is. Amazing. I mean, it was being referred to as, you know, uh, J.B. Laws was being referred to as the gay Stephen King. Um, you know, the, the book, I mean, I can't read horror novels because of my overactive imagination, you know, but of course I had to read it to, you know, make sure that, you know, it was edited and proofread and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so I read it and I couldn't even go into my bathroom at night for like two weeks because it was so terrifying. Um, you know, and he died, you know, a couple, you know, just a couple years after the book came out and just before his second book came out. And, you know, we lost so many voices to AIDS, um, you know, so many young people that they really had so much talent and so much promise. And then we lost them. You know, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about authors, but artists and musicians and you know, just you know, it's it's I, I just think of like how rich our world would really be right now if all those young men had not died, and you know, so for us, it's not just you know going, ooh, these are really good books and people should still be reading them, but it's also to say, hey, read these books these voices still deserve to be heard and you know and and so many of these authors are just so brilliant and they are so wonderfully the books are just so wonderfully written and we really do want people to reread them because they are you know either reread them or read them for the first time because they really are amazing. And yeah, you know, they're from the you know 80s and 90s, and they might be a bit dated. You know, there's no cell phones or laptops. And there's a lot of running around, you know, and having to solve crimes, you know, the old-fashioned way, you know, where you actually had to talk to a person in person. But, you know, they're so good. And they deserve to be read. And so at Requeered Tales, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to revive. We're trying to preserve the LGBT Literary
3: heritage because it's just being lost. Hmm. So what what's next for Matt? Where where do you go from here?
5: You know, I'm not really
3: sure.
4: Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the conversation killer right there. I don't know. <laughs> well done, Matt.
5: <laughs> um, you know, I am I, gonna keep working. You know, on um. My Murder Mayhem and, uh, hopefully come out, you know, it came out a few days before, um, leap year, or, you know, it came on February of, um, of, you know, leap year. And so I thought, well, you know, it'd be kind of fun to come out every four years on leap year. Um, so that means that I have a lot of work ahead of me. And, um, so I'm hoping of getting that of keeping that, of keeping, of, uh, doing that and keeping up with it. Um, and then Requeer tales. Um, you know, we've got so many great authors and so many great books. Um, you know, and people can check them out at requeertales.com. I would say, I would mention going to our Facebook page, but I'm the one that updates it. And having been sick, I have not been updating it as much as I should have. Um, but now our, um, my two partners justine and alexander are brilliant um you know they've been working you know really hard you know this whole COVID 19 thing's been just uh you know really put put us behind but we've got you know a couple big books coming out um john uh, john morgan wilson he's the first gay man uh, to write a gay main character as, as his detective to win an Edgar Award. Um, we've got him coming out and uh, we're going to be republishing his first book in September. Um, and, I, and I know I mentioned that um, we don't do original um, b- uh, titles, but uh, there's a couple uh, authors that published books that were never published so they I'm sorry they wrote books that were never published as part of their series and um, we're working on uh, bringing those out as well so uh, we're working um, we, we've got a lot of balls in the air we got a lot of stuff going on and it's really exciting times at Requeer Tales um, so Matt you know uh, I'm also working on my master's degree in history I have a master's degree in library sciences which is probably why I'm obsessed with bibliographies um but no I, we've got so much stuff c- going forward um, I've got tons of stuff on my plate so it's going to be a very busy
3: time and I'm really looking forward to it oh, it sounds like it lots of balls flying around in the air <laughs> yeah you know, So so uh, that's fantastic um so uh, what other contact information do you have so the book can be found in uh, Amazon uh, Anywhere else, or do you have a website for yourself? I do not have a website for myself. Um, the book can be found anywhere: uh, Kobo,
5: uh Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon. Book, uh, you can request it from your local bookstores, uh, so it can be found anywhere. Um, um, and then for myself, I mean, if the great, you know, if people. For either for requeer tales or for myself, you know, if people want to get a hold of me with ideas, um, or if or if they have the book and they found that I didn't include an author or I missed a title or something like that, I would love for people to get a hold of me and say, "Hey, you missed this title," because then I can include it. And I, you know, I want to be as inclusive as I can, um, and I want to include as much as I can. So. Uh, if people want to email me, they can email me at mattjeanemore at, uh, at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-G-E-N-E-M-O-O-R-E at gmail.com. Um, or they can get a hold of me through Uh There's a contact uh, page on there, or it's requeertales at gmail.com. Um, and so if people also have ideas that, of authors or titles that shouldn't be out of print, um that they would love for us to maybe look into you know we've got 2020 and 2021 pretty well booked solid but you know we're really you know we're starting to fill up 2022 and we would love to hear from people if they have ideas for other titles or authors that are out of print uh that they think have literary merit for the gay community for the lgbt commu- community um that we should look into because we're always looking for ideas we're always looking for authors we're always looking for titles
3: is it is it a real hard process for you to get the um out of print books and then um get them reprinted like how what kind of a process is that sometimes it's super super easy where we just
5: contact the author and say hey do you want us to reprint your books and they say yes um they're literally just send me the contract we send them the contract, and they sign it, and they send it right back to us. It's fantastic. Um, other times, it's, you know, when the author's deceased, um, it's uh, tracking down the estate. Um, the, a really good example is uh, I can either do J.B. Laws or I can do uh, Grant Michaels. Um, I'll do Grant Michaels this time. So, um... With Grant Michaels, uh, we only had an, uh, a physical address for a lawyer in New Jersey <laughs> um, who, who knew who had the estate. Um, so I, I wrote her a physical letter um, asking her to put us in touch with uh, Grant Michaels' mother, who we believed had the rights to his books. Well, um, so I got an email from Grant Michaels' brother, who informed us that Grant Michaels, who informed me that their mother had passed away shortly after Grant Michaels did, um, and that he was the the estate holder now. So we worked with him for about um, about a month or two um, over the over the wording of the contract and getting everything prepared. Um, and then the only thing that we require of um, of estate holders is that they prove somehow, is that they sign an affidavit saying that they are the estate holders and that if it turns out that they are not, that we're not liable for damages or for copyright infringement. Um, so he kind of freaked out a little bit when he had assigned this. Um, and so he went back to his lawyer and it turns out he didn't have the rights to the books. Uh, it turns out that Grant Michaels had left had left the rights to the books to a friend of his. So, um, we, so then the brother ended up putting us in touch with the friend um, and so we so then we went through this whole process again of going over the contract and getting everything, all of the P's and Q's and crossing the I's and T's and getting all that stuff done. Um, and when he needed to sign the paperwork saying that you know he was the estate holder, he freaked a little bit too um, and confessed that he had donated everything to uh, a library uh in boston and so we had to contact the, the library in boston and ask them and they're like no we don't have the rights we just have the papers um so we went back and we we're like oh no you still have the rights to the pay you know you still have the rights to the books they just have the papers but he wanted like he wanted them to, like, actually, like, write out, like, we do not have the rights to the paper, you know. He wanted them to sign what he wanted him to sign. Um, so eventually, you know, uh, the library did that. He did, he signed. And so now uh, I think we just came out with a third, Grant Michaels, um, Stan Kraychik books, um, third or fourth. So um, we're really happy with uh with that, but yeah, sometimes um, tracking, sometimes tracking down who has the um, the rights can be uh, uh, bothersome. Uh, it can take some time. And then there's some authors that we've reached out to; they don't want their books back in print, you know. And there's nothing we can say or do, you know. You know, I'm from Michigan. Uh, we, you know, I uh, we always joke that I have Michi- that I'm Michigan nice. Um, and then I can, you know, like sweet talk my way, and and sometimes the authors just don't, you know, really want to. Um, they don't want their books back in print, and you know, uh, Alexander's in Canada, so we always joke that he's even nicer than Michigan nice. Um, so, you know, he, um, you know, he goes after authors sometimes, and you know, unfortunately, they just don't want their books back in print. They just either aren't happy with the with how they turned out, or they just felt like it was part of their life that's over now, and they just don't want to deal with it. Um, You know, and I feel, you know, and it's sad. Yeah, it makes me kind of sad when I think, oh, but they're so good. And some of these authors that don't want their books back in print, they're they're Lambda award-winning authors. You know, some of them have won awards for their books, and they're like, no, we just didn't feel they were any good, or no, we just, you know, that was part of my past, and I don't want it out there, and I'm like, but, but, the literary heritage.
0: <laughs> well, think, that is sad. Do you think
5: maybe
3: yeah. they had a real bad time during their publishing of it, or when well, it came out? Maybe it was kind of a bad bad time for them, or in backlash on it?
5: Well, you know, I was just going to say, you know, and some of these authors did have, you know, homophobic reactions, and you know, some of them, you know, might not have been out when the books came out. Um, you know, I know, like, uh, Richard Stevenson, you know, his real name is um, uh, Richard uh, Lipiz, I think is how you pronounce his last name. But he had, to, he was a teacher at an element, at a, at a school, and he had two young children and was married when he started publishing his first gay novels. And so he changed his... Uh, author named Richard Stevenson because he didn't want, you know, his uh, kids to be picked on or, you know, you know, because they're the children of that gay author, Mm. you know, so, you know, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of lesbian authors that we've reached out to, you know, they've all written, a lot of them have written under pseudonyms, you know, because they were married at the time and, you know, they didn't want, you know, their husbands knowing they were publishing, lesbian mystery novels and so yeah you know i think at that you know so now of course now that they're older and you know they've you know either come out or whatever you know they see that as not a great time in their lives so i i don't fault them you know i don't i don't say oh you you need to publish these books anyways you know who cares about your your you know your past you know but you know i i completely understand where they're coming from and yeah
3: yeah Oh, yeah. Well, um, it's been a great conversation, and um, so we will have your um, book up on our site, so people listening can just do one click and pick up the book, and I recommend it if you want some really good gay history. This is the this is the book to go to. Um, our guest has been the author, the one that put it together, and that's Matt Lubbers-Moore. Thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Well, thank you. Well, thank
5: you so much for having me. I had a great time.
3: We interrupt our programming. This is a national emergency. Important details will follow. Are you prepared? Legacy Food Storage, the best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to legacyfoodstorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick. Go.
2: To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now.
1: KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley.
3: Are you looking for health care using a non-toxic medical approach to regain your health? My name is Gilberto Alvarez, MD. My 40 years of experience using non-toxic approaches to health problems, including cancer, allow me to provide you with effective, proven, safe treatments for your health. Call 619-405-5199. That number again, 619-405-5199. The Stella Mars Clinic in Tijuana, Mexico, 5 minutes from the U.S.-Mexico border. (laughs)
1: Express 106.5 FM The number one FM talk radio station in the Inland Empire KCAA The station that leaves no listener behind